Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Then, um, well, we are in a, a message series for two months, spanning over September, October, and it is called Greater Things. And um, I have like Chris Tomlin immediately start playing in my mind, if you know that song. Um, but we won't sing that right now. Maybe later. Um, but we are, we're just talking about, uh, in, in John 14, Jesus comes and he, he says, uh, you will do greater things than I will. And it is, Jesus is not like issuing a one-upmanship challenge to us. He's like, I fed 4,000, 5,000, you need to do minimum 20 on just bread next time. He is not issuing a, you have to one-up my, in like a level of, he is actually saying, um, right now the ministry of God is restricted to just me, but when I go, I'm going to lift the lid, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the reach of this message is going to be greater than right now. And we are operating under the, under that system now, we are not operating pre-Jesus, we are post-Jesus um, this is a, a reality where the gospel has ramifications like a water drop ripples out into history, and we are in the wake of that, and so we get to walk in in power the greater things that God has called His people to see. We are recreating uh, the mission of God, we are representing, and I say representing not because I can't say represent, um, but because it is more of a representation of who Jesus already is, not a recreation. It is not our job to uh, convince anybody of Jesus Christ. It is just to witness. It is to uh, let them know what we've seen. And that's our job. So if you're trying to do more, give Holy Spirit His job back. Um, He's really good at it. Um, And so I'm very comfortable up here because... Not just because I do it on a Friday night regularly, um, but because I know that it's just words from my lips, but it's the weight of the Holy Spirit on hearts that actually changes things. Um, and that has nothing to do with anything. Let's get into the words. So we're going to read from Romans. <laughs> uh, you know when the youth are here. Romans chapter 31. And this will not be on the screen, so I apologize if you're looking to the screen. You should have brought your Bible. Um, well, you can turn to it in your Bible and your device. Um, otherwise, you can just listen to my voice, and I might make some speaking mistakes, but that's all good. In Romans 8, this is Paul speaking to the Roman church. He is yet to visit them, but he is just dropping some, some gospel bombs on these people um, to establish a firm foundation in their heart. And so we get this at the end of chapter 8. He's, he's laid the foundation of the gospel story, and this is the transitionary chapter to see what it looks like to live out the gospel, the greater things that God has for us. And he says, what then shall we say in response to these things, the gospel? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is it who condemns? No one. 
Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trial or trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for the sake of, uh, for your sake, we face death all day long, so we are considered sheep before, uh, to be slaughtered. Chapter, uh, verse 37, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, nor present nor future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ our Lord. The title of my message, if you're a note taker or just like reading things off screens, is how on earth do you hope like heaven? How on earth do you hope like heaven? That's a double entendre. <laughs> um, now, confession, I'm, uh, uh, my family is one of those families that is completely allergic to everything. Um, we, we look at you people who can eat things like bread. We go, one day. One day we will, <laughs> one day we will get to heaven and eat bread with you. <laughs> Without stomach aches. Um, my, give you a list of what my family is intolerant to. MSG, seafood, gluten, wheat, dairy, pork. Yeah. That's, for some reason, that's the worst. <laughs> like, wheat is in everything, but bacon is the worst. <laughs> But we are very allergic to everything, and I am the rightful owner of the seafood intolerance. I cannot eat seafood. I love fishing, ironically, because um, why not? There's something about the hunt that I appreciate. Um, and we know this from a very young age because my parents played an experiment on me. Um, in, in the days of vinyl floors, this is, <laughs> this is the 90s, guys, vinyl floors and frozen, frozen fish sticks. Uh, they put their little toddler cam on the ground and they suspected this uh, intolerance and so they fed me fish sticks and sort of waited to see what would happen. And that's how we found out that whatever goes down comes back up in, in a, a very sudden stomach evacuation process. Um, and I'm allergic to seafood. But one of the things I get asked is, well, don't you miss seafood? No, my only experience of seafood is stomach evacuation. Why would I miss that? There is an experiential gap between what you seafood eaters, you seafood lovers, whether that be crab, I can eat seaweed, but I can't. <laughs> so I can do sushi, but only chicken sushi, which is only in Australia, really. Um, sorry, I'm just venting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding on for too long. <laughs> um, but there's an experiential gap between my experience. I don't miss anything that I've never experienced. And I say all of that to say, uh, we as Christians have experienced something far greater than anything else. So that when 
we go out into the world, we reflect a natural sense of, don't you miss this? And the world says, we've never seen it. We've never experienced it. We are seafood intolerant people. But we as Christians are not seafood intolerant people. We actually, we've experienced the love, the power, and the great gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that, the only, um, the only option is to change. It is to have an experience where things shift, gear, and the th- great thing is this, this happens very powerfully a lot of the time at, in moments of initial salvation. I, um, I, I've grown up in and around the church. I'm quite familiar with the systems of the church, and so I didn't have a great big and like, man, I was on drugs and the Lord saved me. I didn't have that moment. As a teenager, I was sort of missing having a great and powerful testimony. Um, but now I'm just going to speak to you church folk for a second. The fact that you never had to go through it is actually a great testimony to what's gone before you. Because now, now you can lead people who have gone through it out of it. Because you've tasted what they have not tasted. Um, but the thing is, we need to continue in what God has called us to, because it's so easy to get discouraged. It is so easy to go out and live life. I, 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 we, we work full-time, my wife and I work full-time, and so it's so easy to go through the day, and then suddenly you get to the end of it, and you're, all you're thinking about is the next thing. And sometimes you're just like, man, I can't afford to sort of show God's love in and around because I don't have enough time, I don't have enough headspace, or man, I don't even feel it myself sometimes. And then we get this reflection when we look at the life of Jesus, and it is just, he is just, he is confusing uh, about many things because he is so countercultural. Because when he, he is a big day of ministering to people, and at the end of this day, he gets news that his cousin, his family member, the person who was laid away for him, has been killed at the hand of the Romans, the, the governing authorities at that time. And so what he does is he tries to withdraw to have a moment. But the crowds are just so persistent that when Christ sees the people trying to follow him, and he, like, he is hurting. Yet when the people try and follow him, he doesn't say, get away from me. In fact, he actually welcomes them and ministers to their need, even though his own need has not yet been met. This is so countercultural, because I think sometimes we feel like we need to be complete in order to show God's love. But it is in our strength in God. It is in holding fast to what God has promised to us that we get to live in a full hope and the fullness of God so that they can experience greater things to us. So what we're talking about is how on earth do you hope like heaven? So I've got three characteristics, and I've just I've, I've, I've pulled them out of different scriptures, uh, but I hope that through this we can get encouraged to be encouraged in our imperfection that we are connected to a perfect God, and it is God's perfect plan to use imperfect people to show His perfect love. And so we are His people going through this life. And so with the first thing that, actually, I'll give you a, a sneak preview. Can I give you a, a movie trailer preview of what we're going to go through? And the first one is anchored to truth. The second one is firm and assurance. And the last one is choose to remember. 
And so we're going to hit the first one, which is we are to be anchored to truth. Could I please welcome Mr. Ash Smith up to the platform? Thank you, sir. I'm going to. The plot thickens. <laughs> but there's a scripture in Hebrews, and it's Hebrews 6.19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I think this is such a rich illustration because we are alive, an anchor has two points, and we are at one point of this anchor, there's a movable aspect of an anchor, and there is an immovable aspect of an anchor. There is the movable aspect of the anchor, which is, let's face it, you and me. We go through emotions, we go through trials, we go through the daily, we just get tired, full stop, and we can flow back and forth, but there's something that we are anchored to. Ephesians 4.14 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every teaching and cunning craftiness of people. Instead, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of Him who is Christ. And as this respect, the purpose and the plan of God for our life is to not flow back and forth and get confused about every time we feel something that is in contra contradiction to the will and the Word of God. There is an anchor for our soul, and it is the Word of God. And there is, except the fact is, there are other options for you to anchor yourself to. Now, Ash being the strong, mighty man of God he is, is going to represent the mighty Word of God. So that when I hook into Ash, sound effects are required, that I might feel good at this moment, after this service, I've felt that I've had an encounter with God, that I have clarity, and that I've hooked into God. And I'm going to go through tomorrow, and I might feel good, pretty good. I might go over, do this work over here. But if there's a certain point where I'm going to get too discouraged enough that I'm going to pull on, but the anchor of God is going to hold me to what is true. There is a, even though I pull, He's holding me. He is holding me secure in what I know to be truth. Thank you, Ash. You stay there. <laughs> Just look at him. Mm. <laughs> but the fact there is other options for our anchoring. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're anchored in truth. This is a decision that you need to make. Just because you've received something does not mean that you received everything. Salvation is the entry point. You have been accepted as a child of God into his family, but now you're an adopted son and daughter of God. We need to learn the ways of the family. There's this sense of that is not how we do it in my household. Uh, there's this illustration that is just so rich to me, and there's this picture almost as if before Christ, we were begging on the street, begging for food. Like, picture Aladdin. <laughs> uh, this moment where he's begging for food. He's trying to make it in life. And there's this constant struggle. There's this defense, that, defense that's constantly up. But then comes through a king. 
And he looks at us and he chooses us and he takes us back. And he says, you're now an adopted son and daughter in the kingdom. Would it not be wrong of us, even though we're in the kingdom, in the in, in the palace, with access to all the resources of the king to return back and start begging. And so we, just because you've received it, does not mean you're receiving it still. There's this sense of, I'm secure in salvation, but are you living in the fullness of what God has for you? And so we can hook on to other things. I'm not sure what that might be for you. There might be a label. A label might be something like... Uh, an opinion from a family member in past. Maybe it's something, maybe it's something good. Maybe it's even the opinion of a pastor. Maybe it's, maybe it's actually a label that we can sometimes wear, which is the label of our own dysfunction, but we have nothing else to identify as because we don't know any different. Have you ever, I'm just socially anxious. That's just who I am. God's plan for your life is not to remain anxious. There is a plan, and it is good, and that is not a part of it. So let us not limit and lower the word and the purposes of God to our experience of our own reality. And that's where this comes in, because it might seem secure at some points, but then when push comes to shove, it moves. And I'm untethered now. I'm going back and forth in the wind and the waves of my own life, untethered by the opinions of people. Will they like me? Will they accept me? Will I, will I be made fun of? Will this affect my career? And we have no point. And it just follows us around, and we are just continually swaying back and forth. But the thing is, that's a hopeless situation because now all I'm looking at is my own issues rather than the hope and the provision and the ways of God. Because if I can unhook this. <laughs> Oop. Catch. Because if I think, even though I'm socially anxious, right now, I believe that the Word of God is for me, that I'm bold, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then I'm going to hold that truth higher than my experience. I'm going to hold my new nature as a son and a child of God above my experience, which has died with Christ, and now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So even if I'm feeling anxious, I know that the truth of God is that I am healed, I am whole, and I am a son of the living God. This is not a game of I'm ignorant. This is not going, I'm not listening to the fact and the circumstances around my life. I'm fully aware that I'm feeling anxious. I'm fully aware of the report that's been given to me. I'm fully aware of what people may think of me, but I don't care because the fact of God the truth of God is higher. The truth of God is greater than any other fact that may be propelled at me. The doctor might have observed the lump, but my God, my God, I am secure in Him. 
and whether, it, whether my healing meets my exact expectations or whether I just have to wear it sometimes, I know in eternity I will be without sin. There will be no shame. There will be no pain. There will be no tears. And that is an anchor for my soul. So every time I pull, I am returning back and I am hope-filled. That's how Jesus can have his family die but still minister powerfully. That's how the disciples can see their friends kill and still say, this is totally worth it. Because they know their heaven is where their hope is. They are anchored in heaven, not on earth. They are working for God, not for the approval of man. We thank Ash and all. We are, what are we tethered to? What are we tethered to? And this is really just around the assurance of what God says is true. It's like this idea of, if God says it, that's enough. And if I'm assured of that, that's, that's good. Because when Abraham got a word from God and saying, hey, go walk to this place that I haven't told you about, um, and I haven't told you how to get there, nor where it is or what it is, I, nor have I told you why, he did it anyway. Because he had an assurance in his heart that just because God said it, that is enough for me. This morning we heard past, past, Pastor, Pastor Carolina, Pastor Carolina, <laughs> speak about a heavenly vision and drop the, drop the heavy quote of the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. And as we have vision for what God says is true, we have vision for a heavenly reality and we are holding on to that. That is our assurance. The thing is, though, that is the very thing the devil is out to attack. If all it takes is a Christian to believe that what God says is enough, the only thing the devil needs is to tell him it's not. And this is the very thing that was. Let's reverse to the first couple of pages of Genesis. Did God really say? Did God really say? say. That word was enough to shift history. And the thing, and this, I'm going to read a quote to you, and this just really hammered down on it for me. This is a quote by, by a, a, a Chinese missionary who revolution, he's got a book called The Normal Christian Life, and this is where that's withdrawn from. It's, his name is Watchman Nee. Yeah, it sounds like Watchman Nee, but it's not the case. Um, and it says this, his attack being Satan's attack is always upon our assurance. If he can get us to doubt God's word, then his object is secure and he has power, us in his power. But if we rest unshaken in the assurance of God's stated fact, assured that he cannot do injustice in his work or to his word, then it does not matter what the tactics Satan adopts are. If he can get us to doubt God's word, then his object is secured and he has us in his power. We struggle, but as soon as our eyes are off God and onto ourselves, we're limited by our own abilities. And you better fret. <laughs> I'm a really good warrior. I'm a really good, I, I, I'm really good at failing. I'm really good at not being enough. But when my trust is in God, 
then I trust His character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That it was God who split the seas for Moses is the same one today. And then when He's When he tells Moses, go and tell the people, that is the same God that lives in me today. And so I'm secure in the character of God. But I will fight for the assurance. I must remind my soul of who God is. That's what's so powerful about worshiping together. We're not here just to sing songs, though it's good. We're here to remind ourselves and to prophetically proclaim to our region who our God is. And as soon as they know who God is and are trusted in His character, then His will and His kingdom come. When we are unchained by the barriers of our own self and trying to not sin or trying just to make it, man, things change. Things change. I just closed my app, whatever. But the funny thing in this is we are not enough. This is such a anti-culture statement because it's, you do whatever you want to do. You can make it. Work harder. Be self-made millionaire. No one is self-made. What a lie. Overnight success, except it took 10 years. (laughs) The hidden part. Uh, But it's, you be whoever you want to be. Man, I want to be whoever God says I am. I want to do whatever He says I do. People say, hey, what do you, I've never really had a great big plan for my life. Like, I've studied and made, and all that sort of stuff. But God never really said to me directly, you are going to be, I don't know, a CEO of a multinational company. I've never had that in my life. My goal in life is whatever God says, I'll do that and then I'll wait. That's all. We are, and you know what, I'm quite quite happy with that. (laughs) Because he's going to do above and beyond anything I can imagine. And so, this idea that we are not enough, but He is. But, yeah, we could go into that, but we're not going to. I'm I'm running out of time, and we have to sing things again. (laughs) But this last part is... (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm stating facts. Uh, the last part of this is, is, I guess, a bit more practical in the sense of this all sounds really good, but real life happens. <laughs> I'm going to go to work tomorrow, and most of my day is not going to be spent reading the Word of God and reminding my soul <laughs> what it's like. I, I work in marketing, and so I'm going to be trying to sell you things. Sorry. Uh, not sorry. I get paid for it. Uh, <laughs> provides for my family. <laughs> And so, I'm going to, like, we get this idea of, hey, be continual in prayer as if we're constantly walking around as like some weirdo muttering in prayer. But the truth of God is, is sometimes uh, our anchor, we do sway. We do sway, but our anchor point is the same. So, we must remind our soul of who God is. So, when I, my emotions tell me otherwise, I must remind my emotions that my God is in control. And so we must choose to remember. I love the Psalms for this, because the Psalms are so raw. We have King David and a bunch of other people writing Psalms about how they don't like living. (laughs) Like some of them are like, man, my whole world is falling around in me. 
everything is crumbling. But God, I pray that you are good. Because isn't that real life? It's sometimes I'm feeling victorious. But sometimes I'm feeling tired. Sometimes I'm feeling not enough. Sometimes I'm feeling certain ways. But I need to remind my soul of who God says that I am. And this is, this is talked about in different places in the New Testament. This is called remind your soul. In, in, in Colossians, it's, uh, it says, you have died with Christ, therefore uh, set your mind on things above and your heart on things above. There's this choice of seeing what God sees about us. So we're going to read a psalm. We're going to read Psalm 42. And it is such a powerful psalm. It is not written by David, but is written under the leadership of David. And we get this very rich image of a man who desires God, but isn't quite where he expects to be. And it says, Psalm 42, verse 1, it says, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. You can feel the desperation. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet Him? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say all to me, uh, say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Isn't there honesty in this? How I used to go to the house of the Lord under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Catch this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior, my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Her Mount Hermon, from Mount Mazar, that's significant, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All the waves and the breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs me his love at night. His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to my God, my rock, have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. As my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior, my God. I love worship because I get to tell my soul who my God is. Whether I feel purposeful that day, whether I'm feeling it, whether I'm not, whether I've experienced loss or whether I'm feeling great about life, I know that my soul is secure in God that his truth remains strong. His character remains the same. So what must I do? I must choose to remember who he is. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.